taking a bit of a break from James, and we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 11, and we're going to be reading from verses 33 through 36, and so I'd ask you, if you're able, please to stand together with me as we read from God's holy word. Romans 11, beginning in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today is a uh, special day in the time, uh, in, the, in the calendar of our church. Um, we uh, talk about today as Reformation Sunday. Uh, the reason we do that is because this week, this coming week, we're going to remember on the 31st, uh, not Halloween, but we're going to remember that on October 31st, 1517, some 502 years ago, that was the date that Martin Luther famously took his 95 thesis and nailed them to the church door there in Wittenberg. Um, the 95 thesis were 95 statements opposing what he considered to be the abuse of the practice of indulgences. Uh, he had written it in Latin for the purpose of debate. That's what you did in those days. If you wanted a, 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 a debate with uh, people, you, you wrote stuff up in Latin, you went and nailed it on the church door, and you were hoping that someone would pick it up and you would get a debate going. And so that's what Martin Luther was doing. Um, he had written some other theses and nailed them to the church door earlier, and they were actually a bit what we might look at, and we'll go, those are, are more in opposition to the church um, than, you know, opposition to abuse of indulgences. Uh, he thought, I think he might have thought that this was kind of tame, just trying to get some practices changed. But this is what actually started the debates. And uh, he began to get into debates and got pushed into corners. Um, and those corners were things which began to clarify the thinking about the teaching of Scripture. And um, so we came up with, the, as a result of these debates and others joining Martin Luther in a Reformation movement, trying to reform the church um, and its practices, they came up with five main issues that they said definitely need reforming in the, uh, in the church. Uh, the first one was that uh, there's, there's only one uh, authority which can bind our conscience, and that is the Word of God. And so they called it uh, sola scriptura, that only the Word of God can bind our conscience. But not the word of popes, not the word of councils. Um, those things are good. Um, tradition is good, and we, we don't need to jettison all tradition. And we need to, uh, you know, build on the, on the backs of those who've gone before us. But that can't bind our conscience. The only 
infallible rule of faith and practice that we have is Scripture. And that's what they said. That's given to us by God. It's God's Word, not man's Word. And that the Bible itself interprets the Bible. And so that was very important for them. And that was against the church who said that, well, yeah, the Bible's um, God's Word, but uh, proper interpretation comes through the church councils and through the Pope. And so they're actually the final word. And the Reformers said, no, Scripture itself is the final word. And then they began to talk about what Scripture tells us and teaches. And the primary thing that Scripture teaches is all about how God brings salvation to man. And so they look in Scripture and they saw that it teaches that salvation is not any part man's work. Nothing to be merited by us, but it's all by God's grace. And so they said that salvation is by grace alone. And the way that God applies His grace to man is through faith. But it's not faith plus works. It's by faith alone. Trusting in the work that God has provided for us. And believing that that is how, how salvation comes to us. And so they said that uh, Scripture alone is our only rule, uh, final rule of faith and practice. And it teaches that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. But it's not faith in faith, but it's faith in the work of Christ. And Christ's work alone for our salvation. And so that's what they taught. And the, these four things that we see here, that Scripture, which is God's Word, is our only infallible rule of faith and practice. Not man's Word, but God's Word. Secondly, that God teaches us in His Word that salvation comes to us by His grace alone and that that is applied to us by faith alone and not faith plus works. And that, that faith is to be in the work of Christ alone, we begin to see that we have nothing to boast about, nothing to give ourselves glory for. And so the final of those souls was to say, well, because of all this, we recognize that in all of life, glory to God alone. Uh, we are to give glory to God alone. He is the, he is the highest uh, being and when we come to worship, we're not worshiping ourselves. Uh, we're not to be looking at ourselves and thinking about all the wonderful things for us, but we're to be looking to God and recognizing the, the wondrous grace that he's given us in uh, Christ Jesus and this wonderful salvation and that he has communicated it to us in his word. And so all, all glory goes to God alone. Well, that was something that was certainly needed back there in the, uh, in the 16th century. Uh, the church had gone far from that. There was glory for the church itself, glory for popes, you know, come and kiss my ring sort of thing, you know. They wanted to, they wanted to have, uh, you know, glory poured on, on man. And they were even saying, you know, you gotta, you got to do right or, you know, you can lose your salvation sort of thing. Uh, you you got to earn it. And... Um, so it was definitely needed in those days to see that salvation, that, that all in all of this, glory belongs to God alone. And so the reformers tried to move us back to that, but it seems that in the church today, in our world in the church today, it seems that we definitely need to get back to all of the solas, but especially this one that glory alone belongs to God. Um, James Montgomery Boyce, uh, several years ago, wrote this, said that, and, and this talks to what is going on in the church and why we need to get back to Sola Deo Gloria. Uh, James Boyce says, preoccupation with self 
is the chief sin of modern world. I believe he's probably right. The preoccupation with self. It's not a preoccupation with God and his glory, but we're thinking about ourselves and my needs and my felt. And this is what we see in the church. So, I mean, go on here. Preoccupation with self is the chief sin of the modern world. And this means that without opposition, the absorption with self, even a renewed effort to teach about God will be fruitless since it will, since it will end only by presenting God to be used by us rather than a God who demands from us a surrender of self and a radical obedience. We need to show that in the Bible, God is not presented as an answer to our felt needs, but as one who calls us to take up a cross daily and follow Christ Jesus. This is not the, the God that we see uh, when you go home and maybe turn on uh, your television to the uh, televangelists who are saying something like, uh, God will move heaven and earth just to make you happy. That's what he's all about. God is about his glory. We need to get back to that. Um, and so that's the reason I think uh, when we get in, this is what Paul is doing here in this doxology at the end of Romans chapter 11. Throughout the book of Romans, he has been talking about how salvation is not man's work. The only thing we bring to our salvation is the need for it. We see that in Romans chapter 3 where he talks about no one is righteous. No, not one. No one is good. Our mouths are full of deceit and, and so on. And, and he's talking about the condition of man. And we bring our sinfulness, our need of salvation. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that our, our righteousness, as, as we would read in Isaiah chapter 63, says all of our good works are as filthy rags in God's sight. Nothing that we can do to bring to it. And so he's, he continuously, throughout Romans up to this point, he's been saying salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the work of Christ alone. And when he gets, he, he's pretty much filled up uh, his, the way he's been teaching all along and he's expressing it to the Romans there. This is, this is the doctrine of salvation. What does it bring him to when he finally sees this? It brings him to this beautiful doxology and where he is, he is praising and worshiping and glorifying God. One of the most beautiful passages in all scriptures. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. This is what Paul is full of recognizing uh, sola, uh, um, solas um, fide, sola gratia, sola, solas Christus brings him to this sola deo gloria to, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever from him he has created us um, you see this is the way they worshiped in uh, is, is John has the vision in heaven in John chapter 4 uh, from him we recognize he is created us and you see the creatures the creatures in heaven worshiping him for you are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they 
are, were created and have their being. From him, creation, and he's worthy of our worship because he has created us. We come from him. He has created us. But not only that, we see in, in Revelation chapter 5, where John is still in the, in the heavenlies, and he sees uh, the, the, the lamb who was slain, and they, be, they come to him, and they're worshiping him too. So it's not only creation, but it's recreation in Christ Jesus where they, they say to uh, the Lamb, he says, you are worthy because you were slain, and by your blood you purchased men uh, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. We're to... Worship, recognize that from Him um, belongs all. Th from Him are all things, not only creation but recreation in Christ Jesus. Through Him uh, comes our salvation. Where uh, uh, Paul continues here, for from Him and through Him. Uh, all things are given to us. The Holy Spirit comes and he makes us alive. He applies the work of Christ to us and makes us alive in him. He gives us the rebirth for, from him, creation, recreation, through him, rebirth in the, in the Holy Spirit and our regeneration. And to him, to him are all things. What is the to him? He designed all things for his own glory. Um, we uh, we know the uh, that uh, God has designed us for our His glory. Um, we every Sunday we come in here and we have a call to worship, and that call to worship shows us that we're to come and worship God, bringing Him glory. I want to read to to you a few of them. Uh, Psalm twenty nine. We could go on a long time reading these to you, but uh, I'll, just, I'll just hit a few. Ascribe to the Lord, almighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in, in the splendor of his holiness. God himself calling us to do what? To worship him, bring glory and honor to him. Um, in, uh, in Psalm 33, verse 1. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Psalm 34, verse 3. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 96. One through three. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. And we could go on and on and on throughout the Psalms. And actually throughout all of Scripture, God instructing us what to do to come and glorify him. We use those as a call to worship for corporate worship. But they're a call to worship all the time. A call for us to constantly be bringing him glory forever in our lives. When Jesus meets the woman at the well in John chapter 4, uh, she's asking him about uh, where is the proper place to worship. 
And Jesus uh, tells her that a time is coming and is now come when you'll worship neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He says to her in verse 23, God is a spirit and his worshipers must spirit, must, God is a spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Back to verse 23, that's verse 24. It says, a time is coming and is now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Uh, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You realize we're in a seeker service here. You may, not have, you may have heard that. People always, uh, in the church growth movement, there was this idea of a seeker service and people who are seeking God, they would come in. But we're in a different type of seeker service. We're in a seeker service where God is seeking us to come and worship Him. That's what Jesus was talking to the woman about. This is, this is what God seeks from us, to come and to worship Him. And he will not give his worship to another. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. And again, in, in Isaiah 48, verse 11. He says, for my own sake, for my own sake I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. Ezekiel, verse, chapter 36. Verses 22 and 23, Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign God. Um, that when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. God says, I will not share my glory. I will not have you profane my name. When you come to worship me, you're worshiping me. You're not worshiping yourself. You're not seeing me as some cosmic butler who can give to you whatever, um, whatever you might want. I am to be glorified. John Piper says, from beginning to end, the driving impulse of God's heart is to be praised for his glory. From creation to consummation, his ultimate allegiance is to himself. You ever think about that? God's ultimate allegiance is to himself. His unwavering purpose in all he does is to be exalted, is to exalt the honor of his name and to be marveled at for his grace and power. He is infinitely jealous for his reputation. For my own sake, for my own sake, I act, says the Lord, my glory will not be given to another. <laughs> to him, all honor and glory and praise is to be given. To him. Isn't this what Jesus did when he comes uh, on the earth, when he, when he uh, 
Remember in John chapter 8, he's talking to the religious leaders and talking about glory and not seeking glory for himself, but giving it to the Father. He says, I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. And Jesus is saying, I'm not here to get glory for myself, but to give glory to God. Verse 54, he says, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. He's seeking, coming to seek, to glorify God. And in John chapter 17, in the true high priestly prayer, Jesus says, I have come to give you glory, and that is what I've done by all that I've done here. This is what we are to do, to bring glory to Him and, and Him alone, sola Deo Gloria. Our worship is not about what is my favorite type of music. It's not about what is a... What, what church has the best programs for me or my children or my husband or these sorts of things. True worship is about bringing honor and glory to God and seeking Him first and foremost. And that is what we should be about. So, second point in our book, uh, in your outline there, why? Why is this the case? Well, I want you to know that God made creation and set out here and all of his creation was created to bring him glory. We see in Psalm chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork, right? Creation is to bring glory to God. The first, uh, first question in the shorter catechism, the one we all know, right? What's man's chief end? To glorify God and enjoy him forever, right? Jesus, again, says this about himself. This is what he came to do. He, is, he came to bring glory to God. As we saw uh, from all of the, uh, the psalms that we looked at where God calls us to glorify him. So many more we could have listed. And John and Jesus uh, speaking to the woman at the well, reminding her that God seeks his glory, seeks those who will worship him. We're told in scripture throughout that we are to glorify God in all things. In verse 36 of our text this morning, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. In uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 1 Peter 4, verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory for and power forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Why are we to bring glory to God? Well, he's created us to do that. He's told us throughout Scripture that we are to do that. Remember, once again, God made us in his image. As his image, that means we're supposed to look like him. We have seen that God said, I will not share my glory with another. I am to be glorified. If God exists to glorify himself, how much more should we as his image seek to glorify him? That's what he created us to do, to bring honor and glory to him and to him 
alone. And so that is why we are to do it. That's the way we're created. That's what we're created to do. And that's what he's told us to do throughout his word. So finally, third point in your outline here, how do we do that? How do we bring uh, glory to God? Maybe a crude illustration here, but I want you to, want you to hear it anyway. I love my children all the time, no matter what, but it really excites me when they like things that I like. When they want to do the things that I want to do. I have uh, pictures of, uh, of us all at the Arkansas River, and me and Duncan and Bethany, and we're all on our waders holding a fly ride. And we're ready to go, and I go, my children like what I like. This is exciting to me. If you ever see my cell phone, when you first turn it on, the, the cover screen there has my daughter and waders standing in the Madison River in, uh, uh, in Yellowstone. Holding a fly rod, you're ready to go. That excites me. And I thought at times about maybe changing that to something else, maybe grandchildren, but it's always like, no, this, this excites me. When they like what I like, it brings me joy. You know, we bring God, we bring glory to God when we do the things that He likes, when we do the things that He is all about. That is when we bring glory to God. From the high priestly prayer, again, to think of the words of Jesus in John 17. He says, I brought, I brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. How do we glorify God? By completing the work that he's given us to do. Remember that great passage in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. And then the very next, the very next verse, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. <laughs> How do we bring glory to God? We bring glory to God by completing the work that he's given us to do. In Hebrews chapter 10, um, the, the author of Hebrews quoting from uh, a psalm, putting it into the word, into the mouth of Jesus. In, in Hebrews 10, 7, he says, I have come to do your will, O God. How does Jesus bring glory to God? By doing his will. By doing the work that he has given him to do. How do we bring glory to God? We bring glory to God by doing those things that he has called us to do. By reflecting his image uh, properly in all the earth by glorifying him and by, by following his commands and doing what he has told us to do. By following the objective standard for living that he has given us right here in his word. We don't have to wonder what he wants of us because he tells us right here in black and white. If we want to know what job do I take or where do I live or who do I marry, what schools to go to, where all these things, well, let's, let's get what is objectively right here for us in black and white down first. We know what he wants us to do. He tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbors yourself. It's pretty clear. Not sure it's pretty easy, but it's pretty clear. 
We ought to strive more and more on a daily basis to be, to be doing these things. That we would be conformed more and more to the image that he's created us in. And that we would look more and more like Jesus Christ. Well, I think this week as we, uh, as we remember the beginning of the Reformation, remember that, that there's maybe need for Reformation in our lives. That our lives would be all about what God has cre created us to be all about. And that is bringing honor and glory to Him. Seeing the fact that He has created us and He's recreated us in Jesus Christ, that He's shown such amazing love to us, that should change our lives so much that we want to live our lives totally and always for Him. Well, let's pray together. Father, uh, again, we see in your word that you alone are to receive all glory and honor and praise. Lord, forgive us when we so often think more about ourselves, more about what is pleasing to us, more about what makes us comfortable, more about our entertainment, more about our pleasure. And the thoughts of you and who you are and truly reflecting on that and being obedient and, and giving you glory by doing the things that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that this morning you would begin to change our hearts. That you would continually work with us on a daily basis that our lives might be lived to bring glory alone to God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.